Well, good afternoon, everybody. Good. It's good to uh, experience and enjoy the Holy Spirit. And in fact, I'm, I want to just share a few testimonies of, of what the Holy Spirit's doing amongst us. So I want to invite Renee and Kerry to come up and uh, just share a few stories about what God's been doing. Yeah, give them up. Give them a hand. You know, we love to encounter and experience God, but you know, His promise is that He will meet us in His glory and then send us in His glory, right? Uh, and so we've just got a few testimonies. Uh, Renee, this is Renee, this is Kerry, and um, they are going to share. So Renee, take it away. Yeah, so um, for the last few months, God has really been highlighting um, one of my coworkers at work. Um, her name is Nayla. She's from um, Iran. Um, and I have just felt the love of God for her. And um, usually before going into work, I would just pray and I'd be like, okay, Holy Spirit, like, how can I connect with her? How can I love her? Um, and most of the time it was just through like asking her a question and she would just light up sharing about her country or her food or language, whatever it was. Um, and I was actually talking to Rosa about it uh, about a month ago, and I was just like, yeah, I would love to connect with her more outside of work and really just, like, be able to love on her. And Rosa's like, well, why don't you, like, ask her if you can come over for dinner? And I was like, <laughs> I don't know. That's, like, kind of forward just to, like, invite myself over to her house. Um, so I kind of, like, let it to the side. And then um, a few weeks later at work, I felt Holy Spirit, like, kind of nudge me and be like, ask her like ask her yes. if you can come over come on um so I was like hey Nayla I was like do you think it'd be possible sometime for like me and my friend Rosa to come over and just like share some of this like amazing food that you've been telling me about and she was like yeah for sure <laughs> and I should come too." one of my other co-workers who's actually a believer um and so yeah she had us over to her house nice. um we enjoyed amazing Iranian food um we danced in her living room we talked about God um and supernatural things um she has like visions and dreams um from God, um, but yeah, Rosa and I were just able to um, just open up and share our experiences with so um, with God and the Holy Spirit, and it was really interesting because her 16-year-old daughter, Tina, was also at the table listening to this, and she was like, yeah, I, I've heard people say about like these experiences with God, but I've never experienced that, like I've never heard God, um, and Rosa and I kind of like looked at each other and we're like, <laughs> okay, we're like, well, you can ask him, and like he'll reveal himself to you, and um, later in the evening, Tina was just sharing um, some of her artwork with us and um, kind of opened up about some um, very painful things that some of her friends had spoken over her life. And um, Rosa and I just invited her to have a painting night at so her good. house, yeah, which was really fun. So on Tuesday, actually, um, Tina came over to Rosa's, and um, it was really cool just the timing of it because it was a couple of days after Ash had shared about hospitality and just like opening yeah. up your homes and yes. inviting people in. Um, so we were able just to love on her and we prayed before painting which Tina was kind of like this is kind of weird but she went along with it and was very open to everything that we did and um, we asked her if we could just bless her afterwards and she said yes and so we just prayed for her and just spoke life over her and um, at the end we were just like Tina we love you and wow. uh, and we mean it and she was just like yeah I've never had anyone like you oh, know speak these things over on. me and like love me in so this good. way. So. Wow that's amazing that's that is amazing, Renee. Thank you. That's the Holy Spirit in action right there, right? Wonderful. Thank you. Carrie. Yeah. Okay. Um, you wanna... Good morning, everyone. What's that? Oh, sure. I'm, I'm going to preach. No, he's like, oh, she's coming up with a notebook. That's interesting. Yes. That's all right. I'm here to make sure I'll just jab you in the ribs in a minute. If... <laughs> no, um, thanks again, Rosa, for setting us up. Um, uh, no, so... 
I just wanted to briefly share, I wasn't sure what testimony to share, but I feel like the Holy Spirit this morning just said, I want you to just connect a couple things here. And um, part of that is just, I'm here to share the testimony of Jesus and then connect it with my testimony, but I'm not going to go into all that fully, but just to say that in the last several months, God has brought me, I guess, to another level of some inner healing. And at the women's conference, which took place the day before Murray had the panel of people up here um, sharing about evangelism and um, planting seeds and sharing the gospel, God just really spoke to me at the women's conference, specifically from um, Isaiah 43, and just said, the healing that I've brought you through He's like, you're stepping out of the old into something new. And like, this is not what you thought from the past. Like, okay, little bit, little bit. I mean, it is a process, but he's like this, you're stepping out and it's going to be new on another level. Um, And this morning, again, I was reading in John 17, where there's a verse that just says in John 17, 10, it says, and my glory is revealed through their surrendered lives. And I feel like God is like, your life is surrendered so I can reveal my glory. And then later in John 17, the phrase kept sticking out to me with the same love. And he's like, with the same love between the Father and Jesus, between us and Jesus, between us and the Father, between us and the Holy Spirit, that's the love that we're going out with. Okay? And so I... I was trying to think, like, which uh, lately it just feels like there's been a blast of me awesome. being able to share the gospel. And yeah. it happened yesterday, no, Friday, with a couple women. I was on the phone being very daring um, with our mortgage company to try to refinance. <laughs> and I hear the Holy Spirit say, ask this lady about her ankle. And I'm like, and I have done this in the past, but I was like, okay, it's been a while. So get to the end of the conversation. She's like, do you have any questions? And I was like, actually, I do. But it's about something not related. And so um, I said, yeah, um, I'm learning to hear God's voice. I don't know if you believe in Jesus, but I believe that he's a son of God, that he died for us, and that he wants to heal us. And I said, is there something up with your ankle? And she goes, well, not my ankle, but my foot. Oh, wow. And I was like, well, can I pray for your foot? And so she said, absolutely. So I prayed for her. Um, I didn't specifically ask, but she just was like, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. No, I I can't believe like you even knew that, whatever. And I said, ma'am, I'm practicing here. Like, but I I believe God wants to touch you. So, and then a couple minutes later, she connected me to this other lady. And then I asked her, do you have something (laughs) up with your hips? And she's like, not my hips, but my knee. And I was like, well, close enough. Okay. So I <laughs> prayed for on. her hips and I said, you know, and she was like, okay, I'll be talking to you again soon. And so we'll see what's going on with her knee, our knees. Awesome. So anyway, I just thank the Lord for that opportunity. So yes. good, Carrie. Thank you so much. Awesome. Awesome testimonies, ladies. Thank you. You see, that's the Holy Spirit in action in us, right? And a little while ago, uh, a few years ago, in fact, now, Jesus taught, you know, spoke to me and he said, We're gonna, I'm going to be revealing Jesus the evangelist within you. So it's good. It's good to talk about the Holy Spirit. As, uh, as Kate mentioned, we're starting a sermon series. So I want you to turn to Isaiah 32. And we're going to look at Isaiah 32. But just by way of introduction, as, we're, as we turn into that passage, you know, this whole week as I've been preparing and thinking about 
uh, about this. I've, this. The thing that's jumped out to me is this phrase where the, but the Bible, uh, the New Testament in three different places, in Luke 24, in Acts 1, and in Acts 2, um, the Holy Spirit coming is referred to as the promise of the Father. The Holy Spirit is the promise of the Father. And so I just, I've really, that's really gripped me, that, that phrase of the promise of the Father. So I want to unpack that a little bit and to go and look at, well, okay, where did the Father promise the Holy Spirit coming? We have to turn to the Hebrew Bible or what we may know as the Old Testament uh, and look at the promises of God in the, in the Old Testament. So there are many promises, but I just want to zoom in and hone in on this particular uh, passage in Isaiah 32. You can also read it in Ezekiel 20, uh, 36, 37, and 39, uh, some you know, references to the Holy Spirit coming. But we'll start with this passage, and I'm going to read almost the whole passage, and it's going to get a little dark in the middle. Just forewarn you, but I'll explain that and then we'll get, come to the part that particularly I want to focus on. Okay, so verse 1 of Isaiah 32. Behold, a king will reign in righteousness and princes will rule in justice. Each will be like a hiding place from the wind, a shelter from the storm, like streams of water in a dry place, like the shade of a great rock in a weary land, then the eyes of those who see will not be closed, and the ears of those who hear will give attention. The heart of the hasty will understand and know, and the tongue of the stammerers will hasten to speak distinctly. The fool will no more be called noble, nor the scoundrel said to be honorable, for the, folly, for the fool speaks folly, and his heart is busy with iniquity, to practice ungodliness, to utter error concerning the I turned over too quickly. The Lord, to leave the craving of the hungry unsatisfied and to deprive the thirsty of drink. In other words, no justice. As for the scoundrel, his devices are evil. His plans wicked, he plans wicked schemes to ruin the poor with lying words, even when the plea of the needy is right. But he who is noble plans noble things, and on noble things he stands. Rise up, you women who are at ease. Hear my voice, you complacent daughters. Give ear to my speech." Now, I'm just going to pause for a minute because it's going to get a little dark and it feels like he's coming against women specifically. But just a bit of context, what's been going on and that the, the prophet is speaking against is that the women were in this day were leading their men to sacrifice to the queen of heaven rather than the king of kings, God himself. So the women were leading, sort of leading the charge in idolatry. Okay, So that's why they're going to come in for a bit of a bad rap here. Rise up, you women who are at ease. Hear my voice, verse 9. You, com you complacent daughters, give ear to my speech. In little more than a year, you will shudder, your, you complacent women. For the grape harvest fails, the fruit harvest will not come. Tremble, you women who are at ease. Shudder, you complacent ones. Strip and make yourselves bare and tie sackcloth around your waist. Beat your breasts for the pleasant fields, for the fruitful vine, for the soil of my people growing up in thorns and briars. Yes, for all the joyous houses in the exultant city. For the palace is forsaken, the populous city deserted. The hill and the watchtower will become dens forever. A joy of wild donkeys, a pasture of flocks, until, everyone say until. until. 
until the Spirit is poured upon us from on high and the wilderness becomes a fruitful field and the fruitful field is deemed a forest, then justice will dwell in the wilderness and righteousness abide in the fruitful field and the effect of righteousness will be peace and the result of righteousness, quietness and trust forever." My people will abide in a peaceful habitation, in secure dwellings, and in quiet resting places. This is an amazing scripture, and we haven't got too much time to go into all of the detail. But um, here's what I want us to have a look at is, we're going to look particularly at verse 15 to 18. But right to start with, we're looking at this first, ver- this first passage in verse 15, the first phrase, until the Spirit is poured out upon us from high. So there's this moment that starts with this, this reality of a king is going to come and reign in righteousness. Princes, which are you and me, are going to come in Christ and they're going to uh, serve justice. And then some bad stuff is going to happen until this moment, until the moment when the Spirit is poured out from on high. And the, and the first thing we can see is when the Spirit comes, there's a great reversal. That which, so look in verse 10. In verse 10, there is no harvest. But in verse 15, uh, 16, uh, 15, sorry, the harvest is there. The wilderness becomes a fruitful field and the fruitful field is deemed a forest. We'll look at that a bit more. In verse 11, there's a, a false complacency and false security. But then when the Spirit comes, there's true security. Verse 18, there's true security and there's true righteousness, undisturbed peace. Verse 14, where it says that there's the palace is forsaken and the populous city is deserted. But in verse 18, what do we see? The people dwelling in their houses in security. When the Holy Spirit comes, this writer is saying, Saying, there's going to be a great reversal, a great move of the Spirit. And so let's unpack that. So the first thing, the word is until. There's, been, there's a, a, a delay. There's a delay. What's the delay? The delay is waiting for the King who is going to come in righteousness. We know that that's Jesus. We know from the New Testament that the Spirit didn't get given to us until Jesus was glorified. And what happened? Jesus himself came to the earth as God, Son of Man, Son of God. We know, many of us will know the story. Walked on uh, the reality, walked on this earth, living the life that we could not live, a Godward life, fulfilling God's requirements and God's purposes, and then going to the cross, dying on the cross for our sin, taking on all of our guilt, all of our shame, all of our condemnation, taking it upon himself, and then uh, fulfilling the mission of God, being buried and then and being resurrected out of the grave three days later. And what happens is Jesus ascends to heaven. And then when he ascends, he says, wait until in Jerusalem until you're received, when the, until you're clothed with power, until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then Peter says in Acts 2, when he's ascended, he receives from the Father, sitting down at the right hand of the Father, he receives from the Father the promise and he pours out the Holy Spirit at Pentecost and that promise is released to us. The, the promise couldn't come until the King was sitting, seated, seated in righteousness. And Jesus is our King now at the right hand of the Father, seated in righteousness, and He's been pouring out His Spirit upon us. John 20, 12, 24 says this, Unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a seed. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. 
And so Jesus' death wasn't just about him. It was actually so that we, he, he went into the ground so that we could have life and could experience that life. And the, in Isaiah 53, it says that he poured out his soul to death and became uh, numbered with the transgressors. That's you and I. And his death and his burial and his resurrection, his ascension, his glorification is key to the Holy Spirit coming. So what were we waiting for? The until is until Jesus. But here's the good news, everybody. Jesus has already come so that we're no longer having to wait. We're no longer in the place of waiting. We're now in the place of fulfillment. We're in the until moment, which is the good news, right? And so he receives the promise of the Father. In fact, Jesus says this. He says, it's better for me to go than to stay. Because if I don't go, the helper won't come. But if I go, the Holy Spirit's going to come. We don't have to wait anymore. And so until the Spirit, so the Holy Spirit in verse 15 is poured out. That word poured out actually in the Hebrew means to be naked or to be bare. The connotation is of emptying yourself or uh, like pouring out until you can see the bottom of the jar. And so the Holy Spirit, it's the same word, in fact, in Isaiah 53, that Jesus poured himself out. He gave himself fully. There was nothing left on the table. He poured himself out. When the Holy Spirit comes, the Holy Spirit is going to be the fullness of God poured out to each one of us. And he's going to pour out, and not that he's going to be empty because he's never empty. He's an unlimited supply, but he's going to empty himself into us, giving himself fully. So the Spirit is poured out. What happens when the Spirit is poured out from on high from God? It's the Spirit of God is this maximum fruitfulness. Verse, uh, verse 15, the wilderness becomes an, a fruitful field. Now you have to go back to Genesis chapter 1 and 2 to understand a little bit of that, I think. And, and Genesis chapter 1, we, Adam and Eve are given this commission to having been made in the image of God to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And in Genesis chapter 2, God creates a garden, plants a garden, puts Adam and Eve into the garden and, sends, and then says, tend it and cultivate it. The implication is that only that part of the world is the garden and the rest of it, Adam and Eve's mission and mandate is to actually take what is wilderness and bring them all into the garden of God. And so here, our, our wilderness, and, and, and allegorically, I don't think it's just talking about actual ground, but applying it to us as humanity, that he, God's desire is that Eden would be filling all the earth, which is the intersection and the dwelling place of God and man. And the wilderness is those places in our lives, in our society, which are outside, uh, uh, you know, in chaos and barrenness and, and, and the desert. There's no order. And, and even people that are not saved would be in the wilderness. And so here's the promise of the Spirit. When the Spirit comes, that which is wilderness, which is you and I before we got to know Jesus, before he revealed himself to us, that wilderness isn't going to stay wilderness, it's going to become fruitful. You and I, by the power of the Holy Spirit and the precious blood of Jesus, have been made fruitful in Christ Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. But here's the good news. The good news is it's not just for those in the wilderness to... to um, to uh, the, fil the, the, the fruitful field, it's that the fruitful field will become so fruitful that it will be like it's a forest. Come on. 
And so though not yet believers who with no fruit becoming believers who are fruitful, fruitful through new birth, through the fruit of the spirit of love, joy, peace, and all of those things, fruitful from the revelation of the word that the spirit gives, fruitful because of the boldness that comes of the spirit, fruitful because of the gifts of the spirit, the abilities of the spirit, fruitful because of the grace and the glory of the spirit that rests upon you and I. But his desire is that you and I don't just remain moderately fruitful, but that we bear much fruit to his glory. And his desire for each one of us, and this is no condemnation, this is a promise, is that if you are where you are now in your fruitfulness, there's lots more for you to come, right? That's the promise of the Spirit, that if you're a fruitful field, we've been talking about fruitful fields just now, Kerry and um, Renee, they're being fruitful fields, but what the Lord is doing is he's increasing that amongst us. The Holy Spirit is on you to maximize your fruitfulness. And I love how it speaks of both the wilderness and the fruitful field, because what that says to me is that every place where humans dwell, God wants to bring his fruitfulness. And so there's fruitfulness. The wilderness becomes a fruitful field, the fruitful field deemed to be a forest. Take a moment, if you would, and put your hand over your heart. And you say this with me if you would like to. Father, thank you for making me in your image. I am made in the Spirit to be fruitful. I am made in the Spirit to multiply to be a fruitful forest. Thank you, Jesus, come on. So the outcome of that, let's look at verse 16. The outcome of this is that there's a, a, a quality of relationship between us and God and between each other that comes. And that the first thing I wanna just focus on is that God himself is, the Bible says that his found, the foundation of his throne is righteousness and justice. He's concerned about both his righteousness and his justice. And when the Spirit comes, what's going to show up, what's going to happen, what's going to be established is justice will be established and righteousness will be established. The justice will dwell in the, in the wilderness and righteousness abide in the fruitful field. And I love how the Bible is so certain when he says that justice will dwell. It's not like justice might dwell. We think it might happen. We hope it happens. One day it might just get there. No, justice will dwell in the wilderness. And then that thought of dwelling and abiding isn't just like a quick visitation. It's actually the Spirit coming to make a habitation. And for those things, it describes a situation where a permanent residence is envisioned, not just a visit. God's plan through you and I, by the power of the Holy Spirit, because it comes from the Spirit, is to establish His justice and establish His righteousness. It's His, it's his nature, it's His reality. So there's justice that will dwell in the chaos. Justice will dwell in the wilderness. Justice, where there is barrenness, where there is chaos, where there is desert, where there is all manner of wickedness, God is going to establish His justice. The Holy Spirit cares about justice and expect therefore the Holy Spirit to put his passion for his justice in each one of you when, he, when he's upon you. 
To those of you that already have that passion, it's a God-given mandate. What the Holy Spirit wants to do is to build it and to increase it. But I want to encourage you to keep offering it back to the Holy Spirit, that gift of justice, because you want to sanctify it by the Spirit so that you're not operating out of a worldly vision of justice, but that we're seeing the establishment of the justice of heaven through us. And, and if we don't have a heart for justice, then the Holy Spirit will supply that. He will put a heart of justice in us and he will cause us to fight for injustice. That's why we as Christians on the, need to be to a large extent on the forefront of a seeing and praying for and believing for and working for justice in this nation, justice in, this, in the world, justice against, you know, the, coming against the injustice of racism, coming against the injustice of, of poverty and you know, the haves and the have-nots, coming against the, all manner of other injustices in our worldly systems to bring about the established justice of the Holy Spirit. Because it's the Holy Spirit that establishes his justice. The second thing is in that verse is that the righteousness will abide in the fruitful field. And listen to this. The effect of righteousness will be peace. Or the working of righteousness will be peace. So this, not only will justice be established by the Holy Spirit, but righteousness will also be established in us and then amongst us and around us in this world. And the working of that righteousness, in other words, is going to be peace. In other words, that righteousness and that working doesn't depend on you or I. It's actually by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's going to bring that justice and that righteousness. It's the expectation that the Holy Spirit, therefore, will birth righteousness in us. And that righteousness will actually be, and if the effect of that righteousness will actually be peace amongst us. If you don't live in peace, if you're struggling without peace, if you're, if you're in turmoil at the moment, the Holy Spirit desires to put his righteousness in you, to, build, to birth in you peace. So ask him for that. Seek some help, get people around you to help that as well and the result or the service of righteousness will be quietness and trust forever we will dwell in secure habitations and dwellings in other words we will have peace with each other did I say something wrong habituations <laughs> it's Donald Duck coming out of me I don't know Daffy Duck all right habituation will be a peaceful setting. There is the peace and security in our world, in our experience, in our lives, comes from this. It's God's Spirit producing His righteousness within people and that righteousness producing peace and trust and security all around us. Whew. And so this is the Holy Spirit. He's the promise of the Father. He's promising to come and make us abundantly fruitful. He's promising to come and establish justice through us. He's promising to come and establish his righteousness in us. He's promising to come and birth his peace through and in and through us. He's promising to bring quietness and assurance or trust forever to enable us to be in peace together and in peace around the world and for the chaos to become a fruitful field. And it's the promise of the Father. I love the fact that it's not just the promise of God, it's the promise of our Father. Our value that we have here, in one of our values in this church is that God is a loving Father to each one of us. 
He's not just God far off in heaven, but he's, at, he's our living, breathing Father that actually established us and created us for his glory and to be in relationship with him. And so it's his good pleasure to give us the Holy Spirit. Luke eleven thirteen it says this. Jesus is talking about praying and asking and receiving and seeking and knocking. And, and then he says this. If you then, speaking to all of us who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? <clears throat> He's a good father. He wants to release his fullness upon us. He wants to release his very best to us, having given us Jesus, now pouring out the Holy Spirit upon each one of us so that we can become maximized in our fruitfulness. Uh, Cheryl, on the, on the front row, Cheryl Lindquist had this word, and I just want to, it was a longer word, but I want to pull out one section of it, and this is it. There is coming, there is coming a fresh equipping for this new release fresh from heaven, divine visitations and accompanying confirmations that will set you in place to follow and move in what I, God, it's obviously speaking in God as the first person, what I will bring. Get ready to receive the answers to your cries. No longer is the cry for more, you know, that's been a great cry over the last 25 years as the Holy Spirit has moved, is more, Lord, more Holy Spirit. No longer is the cry for more enough alone. The new cry is, call for all of it. Call for all of it. In other words, all that Jesus has won for us, all that the Father's poured out by the Spirit, all that's been prophesied and promised in the Scripture, all of that, call for all of it. That is what the prayer, well, uh, my, my prayer, Jesus is saying, that's what my prayer was in asking for the kingdom to come and my Father's will to be done in heaven, uh, in earth as it is in heaven. In heaven is fullness in all things. This is the hour for divine exchange to a currency of heaven that is beyond measure of the past to accomplish my plan in the earth, to satisfy my desire and bring forth my glorious bride. So what is, what's the call? The call is, Lord, we call for all of you, all of the promise of the Spirit, all that you have. I want to just wrap up and finish by looking at uh, one more scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And we're going to look at just verse 1, 1, 1 Corinthians 14. And it says this, pursue love. Last week, Ash shared about pursuing hospitality. It's the same word here in Greek, and it's this. Negatively, it's like to run after something to try and persecute it. It's what Paul described of his mission to persecute the Christians. But the positive dimension of it is to run after it and lay hold of it like it's the thing that you want the most in the world. And so what, it, what Paul's saying is pursue God's love. Run after, chase after God's love. How do we get God's love? Well, we get God's love by the Holy Spirit. Romans 5, 5 is God has poured out his love in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And so we're to chase after love. We're to pursue love. We're going to make that our ambition and our aim. And then he says, and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts Mine says spiritual gifts, but the reality is in Greek, the word is pneumatikos, which means the spiritual. So in other words, go for, earnestly desire, some translations might even say lust after the spiritual. In other words, the realm of the spirit. Not the realm of the natural, but the realm of the spirit, especially that we would prophesy. 
And so my challenge for us this, you know, today, for each one of us that the Lord's stirring in my own heart, is that we would call out for all of it. We would call out for the promise of the Father. We would experience the fullness of that promise. That we would pursue love and that we would earnestly desire the Spirit. That we would pray, we would praise, we would step out. Because the other thing about earnestly desiring the Spirit is the more we give away, the more we receive. And there's a flow that comes as we give away. The Holy Spirit wants to release his life to us. My prayer increasingly over these last few weeks and months as the Holy Spirit's been stirring in me is this, that Lord, that you would baptize us afresh, not just us here in this community, but all of your church in the Triangle region and all of the people, you know, believers in this nation, that the Holy Spirit would baptize us afresh in his love and in his power that he would we would receive the full promise of what he's given for us and what he's given to us and that we would step into a place where the wilderness that's all around us now becomes a fruitful field and the things that have been going well just take off and blow up because they become a fruitful forest. And I believe that what God is doing is he's releasing a gift of pursuit and desire. A few years, many years ago, I heard this phrase, this guy said to me, you know, in a meeting, and he said, pursuit is the evidence of desire. In other words, what do you want and how badly do you want to get it? Call for all of it. Don't just cry for more, call for all of it. I want to invite you to stand, please. So, what do you want and how badly do you want it? Come on, call it out. Call for the more. Let's just take a moment and call for the more. Ask the Holy Spirit to fill us with more of the joy and the life and the glory of heaven. Father, I'm asking you, Jesus, I'm asking you that you would release upon us in greater measure the promise of the Father. Just lift up your own voices. I'm gonna pray, but you, know, you keep praying as well. Lord, I'm asking that you would pour out the Spirit upon us, that you would baptize us afresh in the Holy Spirit and in fire. Lord, I ask for the promise of the Father, everything that is you had promised and intended to give us that we have not yet seen in our day. I'm asking that you would pour out that which we have not yet seen in our day. I'm asking that the wildernesses in our region, that our, in our cities, in our workplaces, I'm asking that the, re, the, the wildernesses will become fruitful fields. Lord, I'm asking that this family of believers, Lord, we will become abundantly fruitful in seeing the lost saved, in seeing your vision coming, in seeing the kingdom of heaven being established upon the earth. Lord, I'm asking that you would pour out your spirit afresh upon us, Jesus. Lord, that we would pursue love, that we would be people that pursue not just being right, but being love. Lord, for loving people that are around us. God, I'm asking from that place of love that we would pursue right relationship. And in that place of right relationship, we would pursue the justice of heaven. Lord, I'm asking that you would sanctify our justice, that our justice wouldn't be worldly justice but it would be heaven's justice which is perfect justice and Lord that you would establish your justice and you would establish your righteousness upon in this nation and in our heart in our hearts in the mighty name of Jesus kingdom of God come <laughs> kingdom of God come kingdom of God come kingdom of God come, of God come. whoo